gentlemen, could we all stand up together for just a moment? Um, it's wonderful, wonderful, wonderful to be here with you. We've been walking um, with your leaders here for about 100 years, actually. I don't know how long it's been since we've been walking together, but for a very, very long time. And it's really a, our heart and our privilege to be able to be here with you. Um, I'm going to release some things in the Spirit tonight, and I just believe that it's going to make an impact on your personal life. I believe that how many of you, this is not your home church? How many have come from other places? Okay, how many of you live within a 100-mile radius? Okay, how many of you live within a 200-mile radius? How many drove here from the moon? Okay, all right, a few. Okay, there's a few people that drove from the moon, okay? <laughs> um, well, um, but let me just say that I believe that when we gather at very strategic times like this, I believe that heaven pays attention. I believe that earth gets joined to heaven. And I believe that there's, uh, there are things that take place in a corporate setting and a corporate atmosphere that cannot take place all by ourselves, you realize that, right? I hear from God better in a corporate atmosphere. When I'm surrounded by other people worshiping and when I'm surrounded by other people praying, there's just some dynamic that, that happens that enables me to sharpen my sword that doesn't happen other ways, okay? And so let me just start out by, by let's do this together, okay? Um, at the very beginning of this year, 2017, and let me just say that um, we are at the, um, for any of you that maybe are are also tracking and following a Hebraic calendar. Uh, we actually are in the brand new Hebraic season, okay? We just had Rosh Hashanah last week. We're in a whole new Hebraic year this year, uh, this week, and coming into the Feast of Tabernacles and, and all of that. I don't know how many of you follow that at all, okay? So we'll talk about that for just a brief moment uh, tonight. But we're still in the, in, the, in the year 2017. How many understand that? Okay, all right, all right, we'll track on that then, okay? Um, when, at the very beginning of this year, I, the Lord challenged me to read every 17th chapter of the scripture. And it was a very interesting journey, a very interesting study. But one thing that I found is that the number 17 is linked to the concept of victory, triumph, and overcoming your enemies, how many have at least maybe one enemy that you would like to still see overcome? Amen? And, and, and so I believe that, um, that as we gather together, that there's something that happens in the spirit that releases an anointing of breakthrough that we cannot attain all on our own. And I believe that as we gather, that, God, that there is a, a, a release that God is looking from us uh, to release something before God. How many, when you come to a meeting like this, you're listening to God and saying, God, I'm listening for a word. I'm listening for a sound. I'm listening to something that you're releasing in heaven so that I know how to advance in this next season. Okay? But I want to say to you that I believe as we've gathered tonight that it's not just us listening to God for a sound, but I believe that God is listening for a sound. And that even as worship was going up, I heard the Lord say that I'm getting ready to open the eyes of my people and you're going to see Jesus and a revelation of Jesus in this next season as the mighty risen king that defeated death, hell, and the grave, that is going to put into perspective everything you're struggling with, everything that you feel is in opposition to you, that as you receive this fresh revelation of Jesus, all of a sudden you're going to recognize that the enemy has already been put under your feet. 
it's, I, I sense that it's not something God is going to do. I sense it's something God has done, something Jesus accomplished at the cross 2,000 years ago. And, and I felt like tonight that just as we come into this time of sharing, I felt like this, one of the sounds that God always listens for is the sound of triumph. A sound of triumph. The scripture actually says, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Okay? Now, triumph is not just victory. Okay? Victory is when you defeat your enemy. Triumph, a triumph, what they used to do is they used to triumph over their enemy. And, and it's the picture of when a king would defeat another nation or another king, and he would capture all their spoils and he would take that king, and he would take the riches, and he would take the weapons, and he would lead them back into his city in a big parade, saying, look what I did. Look what we've, what, look what we've conquered. See, triumph is a little different than victory, but there's a sound of triumph. It's the sound of a victory parade, okay? And so when they marched around Jericho, we know that they shouted, and what happened? The walls came down, right? And so the scripture says, we're to shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Then it says this, let God arise and his enemies be scattered. Okay, why, why does that happen? Because it says God goes up with a shout. So in other words, when we shout, it's a sound that stirs heaven. It's, it's, it's a sound. God is not just sitting up there, just ruling down. He is listening for a sound that's coming up. And when he hears that sound, I believe he dispatch, dispatches angels to come down and fight for us, okay? So we're going to shout together, all right? If you've never shouted in church, just shut your eyes and nobody will see you, okay? Okay, so let's lift up both of our hands. Let's take a deep breath. And I want us just to release a shout tonight with a voice of triumph, knowing that God has already won victories for us. One, two, three. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. rejoice in you. We rejoice in your victories. We rejoice in your breakthrough. We rejoice in what you've already done for us. Lord, we rejoice in the victories that are ahead. We triumph over the enemy. We triumph over your enemies, oh God. We triumph tonight, Lord God, recognizing what you've already accomplished. In Jesus' mighty name, Woo! hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand clap. Amen. Woo! Amen. Amen. Whew. Hope y'all are awake now. Okay. You can be seated. Um, it's good to be here. Um, not just because I love, love, love your leaders, but I was actually born not too far from here. Um, my family is actually from Hazleton, Pennsylvania. Um, and so um, my uh, most of my people are in this area. And then I know we've got the couple from Newark. Where are you? Newark over here. My dad was from uh, Booton. You know where Booton is in New Jersey. So this is kind of my stomping grounds, even though I never actually stomped here. I was very little, okay? Uh, my, my parents are Penn State grads. And, um, and uh, so anyway, uh, I was raised, we weren't Christians, um, 
but I was raised um, at the altar of Joe Paterno, okay? There were like pictures of Joe Paterno all over our house, all right? He was, he was um, a, a king in our house, okay? So anyway, <laughs> uh, we, they, love, they love the Nittany Lions. Um, and so it's great to come back into this, into this region. Um, and so I'm going to kind of share a few things of, uh, that the Lord said to me at the beginning of this year, kind of to kind of get us in a position of faith and believing where God's taking us over this next season of time. How many of you have noticed that the world has gone crazy? Did you, have you noticed that? I mean, it's just like insane, okay? And I really believe that we are in a, in a season that the Lord spoke to me about a couple of years ago, and he said, tell my people that they're coming into a season of divine reversal, a season of turnaround. And I felt like the Lord said, it's going to get worse before it gets better, but I'm going to turn things around. Okay, how many go, yay, I'm kind of scared about that word. <laughs> and so we've been walking through that personally in our life, but I'm telling you that God is a victorious king and that he is doing miracles. He is doing signs and wonders. I believe he's bringing personal turnarounds, personal divine reversals in individual lives, in families. Um, I believe that God is doing turnarounds for finances, for uh, physical infirmity. I believe that God is doing turnarounds for churches and for ministries. I believe he's doing turnarounds for businesses and, and, and contractors and, and, and kingdom endeavors that you're stepping out in. And I believe that God is doing a turnaround for our nation. How many can say amen for that? Okay. And so I just believe that we are to live by, um, uh, by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God and not from every word that proceeds from the mouth of CNN or every tweet from somebody that we all pray for, okay? I believe that we need to listen to what heaven is saying in the midst of all the craziness so that we know how to position our faith and we know how to pray. Can I get an amen in that, okay? So at the very beginning of this year, as I was studying out the 17s, I heard the Lord say, my people need to know that we're in a comeback season. A comeback season. Okay, so um, I did what uh, any reasonable prophet would do uh, when you get a term like that from God, and I Googled it, okay? And so I'm going to give you the Google definition of a comeback, but let me just say that the Lord said it to me this way. He said, tell the people of God, your setbacks are only setups for a great comeback. Let me say that again. Your setbacks are only a setup for a great comeback. Do you know that your Bible is a book of comeback stories? I mean, think of Joseph. He gets this great dream, you know, sun and moon and stars bowing down to him, his brothers and his father's sheaves of grain bowing down to him. He rushes out to share this awesome message with his brothers. And when his brothers hear it, they are so blessed. <laughs> they throw him into the pit and sell him into slavery, okay? At CI, we always say that the pit, P-I-T, stands for profit in training, okay? <laughs> Some of you just got a revelation. All right. <laughs> and so, so he gets sold, and we know the story. Potiphar's house, uh, the prison falsely accused, but the day comes when he actually goes in and prophesies to the Pharaoh, who is the greatest leader of the greatest empire of that whole day. You know the story, right? 
And I just want you to see this. I want you to understand that our God is a God that sets you up to make a comeback. Think about it. When Joseph got that word, he was just a shepherd boy in the fields of Canaan. There was absolutely nothing that qualified him to do what God had called him to do. So he ended up getting sold into slavery in Potiphar's house. Well, you know what Potiphar's house was? Potiphar's house was a great agricultural estate. Okay? (laughs) Then he gets put in the prison. You know what the prison was? The prison was a governmental unit. And in both places, his leadership capacity began to rise to the top. The favor of God came upon him. And while he was there, he learned agriculture and he learned government. What was he going to need to step into the role of ruling over Egypt in a time of fa- uh, in a time of plenty and a time of famine? But he was going to need an anointing and an understanding in agriculture and in government. That prison was a governmental prison. You know what that means? That means all the people from the king's palace got thrown there when they did something wrong. The butler, the baker. Do you think that maybe he learned a few things about what made things tick in in Pharaoh's house? Come on, his setback was horrible, but it was just a setup for a mighty comeback. I want to say to you that this nation, I believe, has gone through a lot of setbacks. It's still going through them. But I believe that God is setting us up for one of the greatest awakenings that this nation has ever seen. I believe that we're getting ready to see a a revival that is going to break out. You hear us cry out and sing these songs, God awaken us, God awaken us. And you're right up here in the region, this northeast region, which was the center point of the first two great awakenings. And I had a dream about two, uh, about a year ago where over and over in the dream the Lord took me back to different times in history when he brought great and mighty outpourings in the earth and the Lord just kept saying he'd show me one outpouring, he'd show me one revival he'd show me a reformation or a restoration and the Lord just kept saying to me this one phrase over and over he kept saying if I did it then I'll do it again and do you know what I think is really cool is that this month, October, we're not October quite yet, but tomorrow, that's right. October the 31st, 2017, will mark the 500-year anniversary of the Protestant Reformation. How many here are Protestants? How many here are Catholics? How many of you, you do not know what you are? Okay, if you are not Catholic and a Christian, you are a Protestant, okay? They protested in the Second Reformation. We are now in the 500-year mark of, of a, the, one of the greatest ref, reformations that rocked the earth. And we're coming into a third great awakening and a third great reformation all at the same time. This is one of the most exciting times on earth yes. to be alive and to be a believer. This is one of the most exciting times in a nation, to see a nation. Can a nation be born in a day? Let me tell you, when you turn on the television and you got craziness going on both sides of the aisle, 
How many have figured out the Republicans can't fix it and the Democrats can't fix it? You know why? It's because our issues are not political issues. Our issues are spiritual issues and they must be spiritually addressed. We need a spiritual awakening in this nation to see things turn around. And I believe it's on the way. I believe it's here. I believe we're seeing things shift. Amen. I am excited. I believe that, that, that awakening, when I was trying to understand what awakening was, I, this is how I felt like God kind of put it to me a few years ago. He said, awakening is epidemic revival. You know what an epidemic is? It's when you catch something and everybody you get around catches it, and then everybody they get around catches it, and then everybody they get around catches it. Come on, we're, we're being set up for an, for an epidemic Revival in our nation. And I believe that we're going to see it spread to the nations of the earth. I believe that the nations of the earth are going to, are going to send the anointing this way. We're going to send it back to them and wave after wave coming and going. We're going to see the glory of God manifesting in the earth. I believe it's a great and a mighty day. How many are ready for a comeback? Amen. Let me give you the definition. A comeback is the regaining of success Fame, health, prosperity, and I like the next word, uh, etc. <laughs> How many need an etc. anointing? Okay, it means revival. It literally means comeback. Means revival. It means recovery. It means to return to a former good condition or position after a loss. How many believe the church needs a comeback? How many believe righteousness needs a comeback? How many believe justice needs a comeback? How many believe truth needs a comeback? That's what I believe God is setting us up for, to bring a comeback anointing. Now, when the Lord spoke this to me about a week later, we had the Super Bowl. I'm going to talk about football. Is that okay? Y'all aren't going to get up and leave if I talk about football for just a second, okay? So, so uh, the Super Bowl was about a week later after God talked to me about comeback. How many watched the Super Bowl this year? I promise you're not going to go to hell if you raise your hand, okay? All right, so remember it was being played between the Patriots and the Atlanta Falcons. Now, what you need to know about me in telling the story is that uh, in football season, on any given Sunday, my husband and I are rooting for two teams, we are rooting for the Dallas Cowboys, which is our team. What? A Cowboy fan up here? Okay. Really? Wow. Go Cowboys. Okay. <laughs> They're everywhere. They are. Okay. So we root for the Dallas Cowboys, and we root for whoever is playing the New England Patriots. Can I get an amen? Okay. Are there Patriot fans in the house? Are there any Patriot fans? No Patriot fans? See, I knew that. What's that? They wouldn't admit it. Okay. All right. So we remember what happened is that Atlanta went way far ahead, and it seemed absolutely impossible, but the Patriots came back and made a comeback. And the Lord said, look at that. The Patriots made a comeback. Just like I told you, the Patriots are making a comeback. Now, I have to think that just as a sign to me, because I knew I was coming up here, the Penn State game last week, Penn State made a really awesome comeback, okay? It's a sign, okay? Signs and wonders, all right? 
so, so it is a comeback year. So in the midst of this comeback year, here are just some things that I want you to kind of, kind of allow God to kind of put down into your heart. Uh, this really comes out of this message that the Lord gave to me um, in 2015, and it's kind of been building. At the beginning of that, that year, the Lord said to me, I'm getting ready to bring my church into three years that is going to lay a new foundation in their life where they're going to see that I'm a God of miracles and that I want to do signs, wonders, and miracles. I want to bring divine reversals for my people. And the purpose of this is to bring hope to my church so that my church can bring hope to the world. How many of the world need some hope? And so I believe that we kind of entered into this, this three-year period of time, 2015, 16, and 17. And so during that time, I was studying in the book of Esther. And I'm not going to have you turn to Esther, but I'll, I'll give you a couple of scriptures from Esther. And we know the story of Esther is actually a story when a nation was in crisis. Okay? It was, if you will, it was also a racial issue against the Jewish people of that day. How many know anything we're dealing with today? There's an answer in the word, okay? It was, it was a time when there was a decree of death and destruction against God's people. This evil, we know the story, this evil, wicked man whose name was Haman, and I just want to say his name is Haman, not Haman, okay? Okay, all right, okay. Haman, not Hammond, all right? And so Haman wrote this decree of death and destruction against God's people. And he said, look, on this particular day, wherever you find a Jewish person, you can rise up and kill them and take their possessions. How many think that sounds like the devil? And so we know the story. Um, Esther was made queen instead of Vashti. I'm not going to preach on the book of Esther, but I've been living in the book of Esther. And, and Esther comes before the king, and she makes an appeal to the king. And she says, if I found favor in your sight, king, you need to fix this. Okay? And so the king said back to her, listen, Esther, here's the, here's the solution. You yourself write a new decree. See, some of you are looking for a prophecy. Prophecy is good. I, I, I'm a prophet, okay? Prophets, prophets prophesy and prophets train you to hear the voice of God, and that's good. But here's what God's saying. He's saying sometimes what we need to do is take what God has said and write it as a decree that we can begin to speak because life and death is in the power of the tongue. Job 22, 28 says, you shall decree a thing and it shall be established for you so light will shine on your way. Whether you have a prophecy, whether you have a scripture from the word, write a new decree. Maybe you've got a curse of generational uh, uh, poverty over your life. Maybe you've got a curse of, uh, of divorce. Maybe you've got a curse of sickness or, or, or premature death. Whatever it is, write a different decree over your life. That's what the king said to Esther. Write a new decree. Write it in the king's name. Seal it with the king's signet ring. Whatever you write cannot be reversed. Divine reversals. But God is saying, listen, I'm looking for a partnership. I'm looking for a partnership. So when the Lord began to speak this to me, I was, I was studying this out. And 
in Esther chapter 9, verse 1, right after that, Esther and Mordecai wrote this new decree, and, and Esther came before the king and presented it to him, and king, the king said, this, this is how it's going to be. And what they said is, any place, anytime somebody tries to attack you, you can defend yourself and take their property. I'm talking about making the devil pay. I'm not talking about you taking your neighbor's lawnmower, Okay. <laughs> I'm talking about you making the devil pay, okay? And so it says this, on the day that the enemy of the Jews hoped to have power over them, listen to the language, the reverse occurred. And instead, the Jews, God's people, had power over those that hated them. Let me just say this. I believe we're living in Deuteronomy 23.5 when it says the curse has been turned to a blessing for you because I love you, says the Lord. And what we have to understand is we're in a time right now that anything the enemy is sending against you for evil, just like Joseph said, it is being turned around now for our good. How many here want to see more miracles? How many here want to need a miracle? Do you realize the only way we're going to see more miracles is to need miracles? Nobody wants to need a miracle, right? But everybody, everybody wants to see miracles. You just don't want it to have to be your miracle that you need, right? Okay? So it's a comeback year. It's this time of divine reversal. So the really cool thing was that when I looked this word reversed, that, that, that it will be reversed, I looked it up in the Hebrew, and it was the Hebrew word hapak, H-A-P-H-A-K. And this was at the very beginning of 2015. And imagine my surprise when you study a Hebrew word, uh, you use a Strong's concordance that gives you a reference number for each Hebrew word. And imagine my surprise when I found that the, the Hebrew Strong's concordance numbers, 2015, 2016, and 2017, all mean reverse. I did like a little happy dance in my study. I felt like God just put a giant exclamation point. We are in a time of divine reversal. We are in a time of miracle signs and wonders. And maybe you didn't get yours in 2015 or 16 or 17 yet. But I'm telling you, God is setting a new precedent for the people of God to understand that Jesus came and was, was, was crucified on a tree. He became a curse for us so that we don't have to be cursed. So many believers are living under a curse, are struggling against the curse of the enemy, and we don't have to be cursed. Jesus became a curse for us when he hung on the tree. That same word is used when it says, I will turn your mourning into dancing. I will turn your sorrow into joy. Come on, some of us need to get rid of the grief and the sorrow of this last season. Times when you prayed for something and you got disappointed, or times when things didn't turn out the way that you thought, we need to shake ourselves free from those things that we don't understand, and we need to start remembering what we do know about God, what we do know about his sovereignty, what we do know about who Jesus is and his heart for us, and try to quit figuring out everything that we don't understand. Come on, so many people are stuck in grief and mourning because we just don't understand. Come on, in our church right, right now, I mean, we, we lost a 20-year-old in our church this week. 
motorcycle accident. Do we understand this? No. But I can tell you our God is good. Our God is sovereign. Come on, our God is a God that loves and that blesses. Come on, when you can't get past what you don't know, remember what you do know. We got to get past this grief and sorrow to see divine reversals happen in our lives. So, God gave us that word that day. Within three hours, we got a phone call. And the phone call was from my son, who was talking about his third son, Lucas. And Lucas was born, um, Lucas was uh, almost two years old at the time, and Lucas was born with a condition called Williams Syndrome. It's a uh, genetic deletion. It's deleted uh, 26 genes on his DNA strand. And it causes issues with the heart and the joints and learning disabilities and all these things. But God has just done such an amazing work in him. But one of the things that it causes a lot of times is it causes issues with the, uh, the ventricles in the brain and compression in the brain. And he had been diagnosed with a severe compression in his brain just two months before. And, but the doctor said, because of this condition, we can't operate to alleviate this. We'll have to wait about six months until he gets a little bit bigger. Um, and, and so we're going to have to just wait. But he said, however, in the process of waiting, there's a lot of things that can go wrong. How many know that sometimes doctors always tell you all the things that have to go wrong, okay? That can go wrong. I, they're just covering themselves. But one of the things he said could happen was that Lucas could lose the use of an arm or a leg. And he said, if this happens, the damage will be permanent. It will not be reversible. So three hours after I get this phenomenal word about divine reversal, we get this word from my son that Lucas has lost the use of his left leg. He can't crawl. He can't walk. And the doctor said it would be irreversible. But I just had a word from God. I had a word that God said, we're in a time of divine reversal. And so we brought him over. We anointed him with oil. We prayed for him. I want you to know, the very first day, we saw nothing happen. The second day, he got worse. But the third day, study out the third day sometime. On the third day, Lucas popped up out of his bed in the morning, jumped out of bed, started running around the house. His leg was completely healed. Amen? When he was diagnosed, it was diagnosed that he would need open heart surgery. He had about four different conditions in his heart. This year, February of this year, we got a, a letter from his doctor saying, I see all of his previous tests. This is the, uh, the, the premier doctor of cardiology for William's children. And he wrote a letter to my son and daughter saying, listen, I see all these conditions that were present in previous tests, and I have no explanation for this, but this no longer exists, this no longer exists, this no longer exists. He's not going to need open heart surgery. Since that time, we've seen blind eyes open, deaf ears hear. I'm telling you, we've been seeing the miracle power and the hand of God because it's a comeback year. And our setbacks are only a setup for comebacks. We've seen prodigal children come home. We've seen marriages. Let me tell you about this one marriage. It was a very public marriage in a ministry, not our ministry, but another ministry that we're friends with. And the pastor, young Millennial pastor and his wife, everybody loved them. She decided to walk away from God. Some of you will know who I'm talking about. Walked away from God, went out, 
living in the world. He was praying, crying out to God for his marriage to be restored. She was determined to divorce him. This went on for a long, quite a little bit of time in a very public way. And they came to the, to the divorce settlement. And they sat down with their lawyers. And they had the divorce papers in front of them. And she looked across that table at her husband and fell madly in love with him. She rededicated her heart to the Lord. She rededicated her marriage to her and her, her marriage commitment to her husband. She reconciled. She made, she publicly repented. And they're having babies together now. Come on, restored completely. So many different hopeless, helpless situations are being turned around because it's a comeback year, because it's a time for divine reversals. It's a time that God has spoken it. And when God speaks it, we've got to take what God says and we've got to war with it. Now, that was what the Lord said uh, about this particular area of time. This year on the Hebrew calendar, and I'll just speak a little bit about this for some of you that would be interested. Um, But we're just coming out of a year on the Hebrew calendar that was the year 5777. You got three sevens in a row, something good's got to happen, okay? Um, But this next year, and and the picture, the way that you draw a seven in the Hebrew is it looks like a sword with a crown on top, okay? This year is is the year uh, 5778, and what this year looks like is a giant gate, that the, the number eight we know is the number of new beginnings. But what, how you draw that in Hebrew looks like a giant gate. And as I was praying about this, the Lord gave me a scripture out of 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 9. That says, Paul says, God has given me a great open door for effective work. But there are many adversaries. A great door a great door of opportunity in this next season for effective work, effective work for the kingdom, effective work for the vision that God has given to you, effective work to move forward. But then Paul just kind of has to throw in there, but there's many adversaries. So I want you to think about this next kind of period of time in God and understand that, yes, God is saying it's comeback. Yes, God is saying divine reversal. Yes, God is saying it's a great time of, uh, of gates, uh, uh, open doors of opportunity, but there's also opposition that we're going to have to deal with. Anytime you read in the scripture about the gates, the gates speak of a place of authority in a city. It was at the gates that they did business. It was at the gates that they conducted government. It was at the gates that they ruled. It was at the gates that the prophets came and released the prophetic word to the land. But it was also at the gates that the miracles took place. It was at the gate when Elisha, um, Elijah met the woman, the widow at Zarephath, who fed him. Come on, a place of great provision. It was at the gate that Jesus raised the boy, the dead boy, up and gave him back to his mom. It was at the gate that the lame man, the gate beautiful, (laughs) that the lame man that had been sitting there his whole life, Peter and John came by and they made a decree to him. And they said, listen, silver and gold we don't have. But what we do have, we give to you. In Jesus' name, get up and walk. Walk. 
Come on, how many know they didn't go over and say, Father, if it be thy will. Do you know that there's no place in Scripture that Jesus prayed for somebody to be healed? No, no, no. He just said, stretch out your hand. Be made whole. Rise. Take up your bed. Walk. The only place you can kind of find him praying is at the tomb of Lazarus. And what he prayed was he said, Father, I'm praying to you now so that everybody that's hearing me pray knows that you and I are connected. And then he said, Lazarus, come forth. He had to say Lazarus or everybody in the grave would have come out, okay? All right. Come on. So yes, a great open door of opportunity. Yes, a great door for effectual work. Yes, a time of phenomenal miracles and divine reversal. But there are many adversaries. There is opposition that we are going to have to face. How many are like, okay, so what's different about this year than any other year, right? Okay. So it's a season of comeback, but it's also a season of contending. And let me just say this. I, I love the church. My husband and I have been pastoring our church down in Florida for 30 years. I love the church. But here's what I really believe the church needs to, to hear today. Is that there's a lot of people saying, you know, I've been there. I've done that. I've tried that. And it didn't work. How many understand that God's still looking for a people that will read their Bible. That will pray in tongues. That will do what he says. That will share the gospel that will believe in faith, let's put the word to work for us. We've got to contend. We've got to contend with the word. We've got to contend with our prophetic word. Psalms 29 verse 4 says, the voice of the Lord is powerful. I love that. The voice of the Lord is powerful. It literally means in Hebrew, the voice of the Lord is a force. So when we come together at these meetings and, and somebody gives a prophetic word or you hear something from God, understand that prophetic word is a force that begins to shift things and change things in your life, in your destiny, in your circumstance, because God's voice, boom, is a force. I really saw this illustrated when uh, my husband and I were ministering to this, this very broken young lady um, last summer. And her life was just absolutely a mess, and we prophesied over her. And as we prophesied over her, um, uh, we didn't say anything about God healing her body. We didn't say anything about anything physical. We didn't pray for anything physical to be healed. But as we prayed for her, an ear that was born deaf opened up. Amen. Do you hear what I said? We didn't talk about a deaf ear. We didn't pray for a deaf ear. We didn't talk about anything physical, but as the voice of God went forth, a deaf ear opened up. How many understand that that's the kind of God that we serve? Now, when I said at the beginning that I studied all the 17th chapters, I went to Exodus chapter 17. Some of you, if you have your Bible, you can open to Exodus 17 because you're not going to feel like we actually had church unless I actually have you turn to a scripture, even though I've already quoted about 50 scriptures to you, okay? But... Just come with me to Exodus 17. And I have a very specific reason that I wanted to go here tonight is because this was, Exodus 17 is right after they've come through the Red Sea. And 
um, you know, the Red Sea was a gate. It was a gate that closed the door to the past and opened the door to the possibilities of the future. And after they came through that gate, they were coming across this wilderness area. And in verse 8, it says uh, that uh, Israel came to a place called Rephidim. Everybody say Rephidim. And why I felt like I wanted to talk about this for just a minute is because Rephidim means resting place. And I believe that there's a Rephidim anointing over this region. There's a, there's a city of refuge anointing. There's a, 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 an anointing for rest. There's an anointing for the shalom of God. Shalom doesn't just mean that everything's peaceful, but here's what it means. It means peace, prosperity, wholeness. It has this connotation of, of nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing damaged, nothing broken, something, nothing missing, okay? Whole, wholeness. And I believe that there is a refidim anointing over this region that you're going to have to contend over, okay? Because God wants to make this area, this region, a resting place, a place that is, that is in this little bubble of protection that other people will be drawn to. I believe that it's going to be a place where God's going to bring um, fires of revival, fires of outpouring, fires of comfort, fires of anointing, releases of the supernatural. I believe it's, it's already happening, but I, it's like I see little tiny flames around this region, and I just see God going, to those little flames and bursting it into a full flame. Yes. There's, there's something over this region that, that carries this, um, this peace of God anointing. Rephidim was a place of peace, a resting place. But it's also the first place that Israel ever fought as an army. Who'd they fight against? They fought against the Amalekites. The Amalekites. You know what their name means? Blood lickers. Fierce. Their name literally means plunderers. How many know that when God speaks and God decrees something, the enemy goes on assignment to make sure you get the opposite of what God has said? Have you, have you guys figured that out? God says, I'm blessing you for this, and all of a sudden, all hell breaks loose. Can I say hell here? Okay. All right. Some places you go. Okay. Um, God speaks something, and then all of a sudden, you're dealing with exactly opposite. Okay? It's because when God decrees something, the enemy issues a counter-decree to try to mess up what God has said. And we've got to learn how to align with what God has said and not with the counter decree that the enemy has said. Matter of fact, let me just say it this way. If you've got a decree of the enemy coming against you, it's only because God first decreed the opposite. Because the devil is, is not and never has been an originator or an initiator. He's only a counterfeiter. 
He can only say opposite and do opposite. So if God has decreed from the beginning blessing and anointing and miracles and financial prosperity and physical health, how many know that the enemy comes along and tries to bring exactly the opposite of that in our life, okay? That's why we've got to learn to be able to, uh, to enunciate what God has said over what the enemy has said. Sometimes we get confused. What has God said? What is my lot in light? Well, I'm telling you, what God has said is the truth. And what God has decreed over this land, I believe, is this anointing of Rephidim. For it to be a resting place. Now, let me say, rest does not mean inactivity. Or I could not preach this in Apostle Melody Hilton and Steve Hilton's church, okay? But rest is more, is more about something that takes place on the inside. Okay? In uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, it actually says, let the, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, let it keep your hearts and minds um, through Christ Jesus. Let it keep, let it guard your hearts and mind. That, that word in the Greek is a, a word that literally means let the peace of God act as a military sentinel at the gate of your mind, guarding you against hostile intrusion. Isn't that cool? So as we're talking about going through the gates, this gate of opportunity, understand we've got to allow the peace of God to work in us to guard us against the hostile intrusion of all the garbage that's going on in the atmosphere. We've got to allow the peace of God to rule in our hearts. That's what Colossians says. And it doesn't just happen. Have y'all noticed that? It doesn't just miraculous. We've got to fight for it. We've got to fight for the peace of God. I'll, I'll tell you, when we first started pastoring, um, we've been pastoring now 30 years. And um, at the very beginning, we'd been maybe pastoring for maybe two years. So when we first started pastoring, we had three children under the age of three and a half. And <laughs> we started a church. And we were running about one prophetic conference a month doing, leading the prophetic movement in the early days, okay? And I had this one man come up to me a few years ago, and he said, it is so good to see you doing everything that you're doing in ministry today. And I said, oh, thank you. And he goes, no, what I'm, what I'm trying to say is, I was around back in the early days, and I just didn't think you were going to make it. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I didn't think I was going to make it some days too, okay? So, so during this time when it was just so busy, so, so crazy, hectic, um, this prophet came through. And we were doing prophets, you know, we were doing prophetic meetings every Friday night. And this prophet came through. And um, he says, um, uh, before I preach, uh, Pastor Jane, if you would just come up here, I've got a prophetic word for you. And so I came up and he laid hands on me. And he said, the Spirit of God just says, I'm bringing you into a season of rest. That's what I thought, my God. And I kind of had my eyes like, I was like this, and I kind of like looked at him like with one eye, kind of like, where in the world am I going to find a place of rest, okay? And so I thought, but I want to partner with the word of the Lord. You know, I want to partner with this rest. And so the next time we came to service, rather than being on the platform, up front, prophesying, singing, doing all the things that I was doing, I decided, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rest. And so I like 
put my kids on a blanket and went in the back of the church and just was, you know, just having a time with God and just worshiping in the back, you know, rest, right? Trying to partner with God, right? Except the next week we had a different prophet (laughs) that came in. And he gets ready to preach and goes, "Uh, before I preach, I've got a word for, for Pastor Jane. He said, would you come up here? And as I'm coming up the aisle, he says, the Spirit of the Lord says, what are you doing on the back row? This is not a time for you to draw back. This is a time to press the battle to the full. So the next week, I was right back up front, doing all the things, prophesying, doing all the things that God had called me to do. And you guessed it. We had another prophet that week. And he comes in, and he gets up, and he says, you know what? Before I preach, I just feel like I've got a prophetic word. My whole congregation's laughing at this point, you know. I feel like I've got this prophetic word for for Apostle Jane. He says, the Spirit of the Lord said, you need to purpose to enter in to your time of rest. So I went home that night, and I put my kids in bed, and I kind of got before the Lord, and I said, Lord, one of us is confused, okay? (laughs) I'm pretty sure it's me, okay? First you say rest, then you say press, then you say rest. I don't, I, I don't, yeah, I don't get it, and I don't care which one it is. Just tell me what I should do so that I know how to, to be in the right place. And I felt like the Lord said to me, see, you don't understand what rest is. Because rest is not about action. It's about attitude. And do you know what? That was something that God put inside of me that has helped me battle through some of the most horrific things that we've had to face. It's given me strength when I lead a crazy, crazy life. We, we pastor a church, and I'm, on, the, I'm on, on an airplane every week, just about 50 weeks a month, just about. 50 weeks, not, not a month, 50 weeks a year, okay? And God gives me grace to do what he's called me to do because I've understood that rest, you can be the busiest person in the world and walk in the rest of God. And if you get out of this place of walking in rest, if you get out of this place of peace, the enemy will come in and he will plunder your life like the Amalekites did. It's a spirit of robbery. I don't have time to teach that tonight. But the Amalekites is a spirit of robbery. It'll rob your possessions. It'll, it'll rob your, uh, your, your prosperity. It'll rob your peace. It'll rob your family. And Israel had to contend in that place of Rephidim to see victory. This region is called to be a Rephidim region. I've never given that word to any region before. I believe, it's, I believe it's an anointing over this region. But you're going to have to contend that when you see the enemy start popping up his little head of division and strife, when you start seeing the enemy pop up his head to try to cre- create unrest in your cities, that you are to say, no, this region is to be a region of Rephidim. This region is to be a place where the peace of God dwells. This is to be a region where the anointing of the Holy Spirit can flourish and an outpouring of God can be manifest in the churches and in the people, and in the places of business, and in the surrounding area, you're going to have to fight for the word of the Lord. Lord. 
There was a joining of generations. Moses went up on the hill. I don't have time to preach this, but Moses went up on the hill, took the rod in his hand. Joshua was down in the valley with a sword in his hand. Joshua needed Moses' rod. Moses needed Joshua's sword. Come on, it's a picture of that double portion. It's a picture of the church taking land in the, in, in the territory. It's a picture of the generations. It's a picture of the apostolic and the prophetic. But we need each other. And in this season of time, we cannot afford to stand alone. And we cannot afford to allow ourselves to be divided from one another. We've got to fight, but we've got to fight the real enemy. And we've got to hear the word of the Lord over our lives. My, um, my daughter's going to be joining me tomorrow. She'll probably kill me. So don't anybody tell her that I told this story. But you know, she, my, our, our oldest daughter, she's, she's ministered here before. She, she actually got diagnosed uh, at the, at, uh, midway through last year in this great season of divine reversal with two aneurysms on the inside of the brain sack of her brain. And the doctor said that if they rupture, that it would pretty much mean certain death, certain sudden death. This is not what you want to hear over your 33-year-old child. When the enemy tries to stir things up like that, you know what? I got, I got mad. And I began to decree the promises of God over her life. I began to decree God's miracle power. I began to decree the destiny and the purpose. See, the devil can dish it out, but what we've got to do is we've got to quit taking it. We've got to quit taking it and just wringing our hands and worry. We've got to enter into that place of peace, into that place of rest. We've got to enter into a place where we believe the word of God over our circumstance. And I know that that sounds like teaching from the 70s, but I'm telling you, it's the word of God and it still works. In Esther chapter 9, let me tell you what happened. It, God turned it around for them. And to this day, they celebrate a holiday that is called Purim. You know what they call Purim? The holiday of reversals. The day when the decree of the enemy got turned back on his own head. The day that their sorrow was turned into joy. I've been preaching this message on divine reversal, and my own daughter had a death decree over her life. My grandson had a death decree over his life. We've got to fight with the word of the Lord. I'll make a long story short. She went in several different times, several different levels of testing. Finally, the doctor said, this is looking really bad. I need, to, I need to go in with the camera. I need to figure out if there's a way that I can intervene with these aneurysms that don't look good. So he scheduled her. I, I flew up to be with her for this time when they went in and with a camera up into her brain and were trying to get an angle that they could go in to do something to intervene. And when they came out of this procedure, I mean, Going into the procedure, the doctor says to me, Mom, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that you're having to face this with your daughter. She's way too young. This is, this is not something I want to have to talk to a parent about. How many know that when you hear things like that, you've got to find a place of peace? You've got to find a resting place. You've got to determine 
Jesus came to, 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 to give us life and life more abundantly. The thief only comes to th- steal, kill, and destroy, right? I want you to know that after that procedure was over, the doctor comes out and he says, Mom, come here. He brings me back into the procedure room. He points at the x-rays and he goes, there's no aneurysms in her brain. I don't understand it, but there's no aneurysms in her brain. So I brought her home. I tucked her in bed in her little apartment, and I mean little apartment, <laughs> in Brooklyn. And I walked up to the corner, the corner store to get a few groceries. And as I'm standing there, I'm standing right behind a Jewish man, all decked out in his ceremonial clothes, and he's buying a book. That's the only thing he's got in his hand. He puts a book on the counter. And the name of the book was A Study of the Book of Esther. And I said to him, you know what, I'm a Christian, and I love the book of Esther. And he looked at me, and he said, I didn't even know Christians knew there was a book of Esther. (laughs) And he said, but if you love Esther, then you'll know what today is. (laughs) I did not. (laughs) He said, today is Purim. On the very day that the enemies of the Jews hoped to have power over them, The reverse occurred, and instead God gave power over those that hated them. God does not love me or my children more than he loves you. Some of you need miracles here today. I want you to stand to your feet. It's a comeback year. It's a year to contend. It's a year to cry out. It's a year of being crowned with the goodness and the favor of the Lord. Listen, this is a year of going through these gates. And last week I preached a message at my church about this Hebraic year. And it's a a brand new year on the Hebrew calendar. And I said that it'll be a year of gates, which is a place of authority. A year of Goliaths, those are the adversaries. And a year of incredible glory. As God gets glory from turning things around. And I just, I believe that, that there's a place that God wants to take us through a place of opportunity, into a new place of opportunity. Some of you have been believing for some things for a really long time. Some of you want to hear the messages about taking the cities and changing nations But you're like, okay, but God, I need a miracle in my kids. I need a miracle in my family. I need miracles for my business. I need to see some things shift. Come on, how many of you need a miracle in your family? How many of you need a miracle in finances? How many need a miracle in health? How many of you don't need any miracles? Is there anybody here that doesn't need any miracles? Okay, because if you don't, then you could pray for me because I need lots, okay? I'm telling you that we serve a God that is a God of divine reversal. And so I want us just to lift up our hand because there's a scripture in Psalms 65, 11, where God decrees that he's crowning our year with goodness and that our paths are going to drip with abundance. He's crowning our year with goodness. That literally means good things, with excellence, with beauty, with blessing, with health, 
with wholeness. It's kind of right along the same line as this concept of shalom, of, of the fullness of everything that God wants to bless you with. He's crowning you with goodness. He's crowning this region with the goodness of God. The goodness of God. It says your paths are going to drip with abundance. And so if you, if you know that you need something, you need a divine reversal, you need a touch from God, just lift both your hands up. Father, we just thank you that here in this place tonight, Father, that you're looking at your people. You desire to touch us. You desire to minister to us. You desire to move in our midst, Lord, and, and release divine reversals, Lord. We decree right now, Father God, that there's an anointing right now to see the turnaround, to see the divine release, to see the reversals of the kingdom of heaven, to see the comebacks, Father, to see our prodigals come back, to see our health come back, to see the, the promise of God for fulfillment come back. Lord, that this is the time, Father God, that things that we believed you for year after year after year, Lord, it's now a time to see the fulfillment of those words. It's time, Father God, to walk through that gate of opportunity, to walk through that gate of promise and to begin to see the effective work in, on a whole new level. A whole new level, God, that you're bringing us to. Yeah, there are going to be adversaries, but God, there's a whole new level. Father, we break the power of division. We break the power of strife. Just begin to pray in the Spirit with me. We break the power right now of anything, Father, that the enemy has sent to bring division and strife into this region that's tried to divide the church, tried to divide the people of God, tried to divide people groups, tried to divide, uh, uh, to, to divide and conquer right now, Father. We thank you, God, that you've decreed a Rephidim anointing over this region, God, that this region will be known as a place of refuge, as a place of safety. You're going to start finding that people from the cities surrounding are going to start uh, buying and building homes in this region, and that there is going to be a building boom in this region, that because people are going to want to come and raise their families in this region because it's going to be a place place of hope. It's going to be a place of health. It's going to be a place of peace. Father, we decree Rephidim. Rephidim, Father God, the resting place anointing. And Father, every Amalekite spirit that has been sent to plunder, that has been sent to rob from the people of God, that has been sent to take from them, take, Father God, their peace, take their health, take their prosperity, take their families from them. Father, right now, we stand in a place of agreement right now, God, that there is a divine reversal that is being worked right now, God. A divine reversal that is being worked in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I want to tell you, I want to tell you one last story and then I want to prophesy to a few of you. I was, I was ministering. I just started thinking about this when I was talking about, about um, fulfillment. How many of you really, I mean, you, this is a prophetic house. I'm sure you guys have prophecies that you're waiting on God to fulfill. How many here have some prophecies that you're still waiting on God to fulfill? I was preaching in Columbia, Missouri at um, uh, Enos and Diane Chamberlain's church earlier this year. And when I first got saved, I was saved at, at the age of 14, filled with the Holy Spirit at 16. And long story, but God spoke to me in an audible voice and told me that I was called to preach. But my Baptist pastor told me that I didn't hear God's voice because women don't preach. 
So for anybody that still believes that women don't preach, I just shared with you tonight, okay? So, okay. <laughs> All right, so, um, but it was right after my, my pastor had just told me that I, I, didn't, I wouldn't preach. And I went to this meeting with a friend, and there was a, a preacher there, and he called me out. It was my very first prophetic word 40 years ago, my very first prophetic word. And he said to me, he said, the Lord says you'll preach the word and signs will follow. So I'd just been told I, wouldn't, I, I wasn't going to preach by man. But this God came along and said, no, 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 you're going to preach the word and signs were going to follow. So this year, 40 years later, I'm preaching in Missouri. And in the back of the church comes that man that had prophesied to me. And he was walking with a cane. He was an older man. He was walking with a cane. And when I got done preaching, I brought him up and I said, you know what? I said, Brother Eddie, you gave me a prophetic word that that God said I would preach the word and signs would follow. And I saw you coming in with a cane. I said, I'm going to pray for you, for you to receive the blessing of that word that you gave to me 40 years ago. How cool is that? I prayed for that man, and I, as I was praying, I, I just the Lord just said, you know, there's circuitry in his mind that I'm healing, that has has been uh, that has been damaged. And I prayed, and as I prayed for him, I said, do you have a part of your body that's damaged from something in your mind? He said, I've just had three brain surgeries, and he said, and I can't move the whole left side of my my arm and my body. He said, I have I'm, I have no movement in that. And I prayed for them and him and right in front of God and everybody because of the prophetic word. See, I knew the prophetic word. You'll preach the word and signs will follow. And I took that word that he gave me and I gave it back to him. And that man's arm was healed. He was moving his arm like this. He was the recipient of the word he gave me. Now just lift your hands up. Father, I thank you, God, for this incredible season of fulfillment over the people of God. Lord, it's a time of divine reversal. God, you've used many of them to minister to others. But Father God, now let that, that anointing for fulfillment come back upon them. Lord, let the, the wind of the Spirit blow over them. Let the anointing of God be released over them. God, I declare, Father God, eyes to see your hand and your plan, but also eyes to see the enemy. Lord, I decree, Father God, a supernatural revelation and an uncovering of their eyes so they can see the plans of the adversary. See the plans of the wicked one. Lord, I just decree right now, God, that this is a season that you are turning the curse to a blessing for them and you are releasing them into a new season. In Jesus' name.